I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. If you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings. I know there's that meme that says you can't say Happy New Year after, you know, January 7th, but it is January 8th, and since this is our first episode of 2022, Happy New Year, everyone. I really hope 2022 brings us all happiness, health, joy, love, fun, great celebrity stories. I know for a lot of people, this holiday season was not all it was cracked up to be. I'm so sorry to anyone who got COVID over Christmas or the holidays or just in general, like wasn't having a great time with it. Um, I felt very lucky because I was so nervous about getting COVID because our family was traveling to Mexico and there's six of us. And, you know, just the odds of that, it seemed like a little bit scary that one of us might get it. But thank God we all got to Mexico. We got insurance so that if we got it, we could stay there for like 14 days, like quarantined in our hotel. Um, But we were all good. We got our negative test. We came back. We had a great time there. The weather was gorgeous. I rarely go on vacations where I kind of just sit around. You know, it's very go, go, go because I feel like my family's kind of like that. When I vacation with my friends, we're usually like going to a new city we haven't explored before. It's very go, go, go is the only way, way I can describe it. You get back. You don't really feel refreshed at all. You feel almost more exhausted than before you left. And I don't regret those trips at all. Like, I love that type of trip. It's normally how I like to travel. But just going to an all-inclusive and just basically like not leaving the resort and eating and drinking all day, it was a nice change of pace. And um, again, I just I had so many margaritas. I celebrated my birthday there with my family. I went to the spa. I just had a really, really nice day. Speaking of my birthday, though, I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you guys. I did say in my last episode that all I wanted for my birthday was, you know, maybe some reviews on Apple Podcast, sharing it on your Instagram story and tagging me in it, maybe giving a rating on Spotify that literally takes one second. You just press the little star button. You don't even have to leave a written review like on Apple Podcasts. Or, you know, you could listen on Amazon. I'm just saying there's a lot of options out there. Um, I didn't get any new reviews. So I'm just putting it out there that it's still Capricorn season. And I will gladly accept a belated birthday present of a review if, you know, you haven't done so yet. But as usual, thank you to all of you who have. Um, but again, I would just love it if more of you guys were like sharing it on Instagram. I'm like, it's just the best feeling in my heart when you guys do that. Oh, speaking of hearts, actually, uh, this week on Wednesday, I went to see Kevin Hart with my sister Kenzie and it was so fun. We went to the 930 showing. Um, and that, (laughs) that's a lot for us because we are both very like grandmas when it comes to going to bed. We both go to bed at 10. We kind of start winding down around nine, especially Kenzie, because she, her job that she's a teacher for, she commutes to from far away. She has to leave her house at 645. So she has to get up early. I really don't have an excuse. I just really value my sleep. Uh, So we get there at 930. The show doesn't even start till like after 10. We didn't get out till after midnight. Like, honey on a school night um but it was so fun and it was just cool because it was at the Palm Beach Improv which is just a really small venue and if you know anything about Kevin Hart he doesn't normally do small venues like that anymore like he can sell out arenas 
So a lot of times big um, comedians, they'll test out their material if they're about to do a big tour or a Netflix special or anything like that in a smaller venue. So, I mean, the amount of people they crammed into the Palm Beach improv was a little concerning. Like, I don't know. It felt like a little over capacity to me. We weren't normally you sit with like a table in front of you. They sat my sister and I as far back. Like we were literally in the very back of the theater. It's not even a theater. I don't I don't know how many of you guys have been to like a comedy improv type theater type. What's like, I don't know what the word is, but they usually have tables. And at least at ours, like you have to order two drinks. You can order food. The food's actually really good because it's connected to this restaurant next door called Copper Blues. And I love their food. It's like bar food, like nachos and stuff, but it's good. And you sit at the table and like, it's very casual, whatever. But this time we didn't even have a table in front of us. So I'm just awkwardly holding my two black cherry white claws like throughout this performance. But anyways, he was so good. And I like it because it's a little more chill and you kind of feel like you're seeing behind the scenes because he says at the beginning, he's like, you know, there's going to be parts of this that I don't know if they're going to work. But before we get to those parts, I'm going to tell you that they're ones I'm not sure about. And you can like help me through that and kind of like, you know, give me an inkling whether it's working or not. And I just thought that kind of like a live feature and the feedback feature of it was really cool. But I thought from start to finish, even his kind of unpolished show was a lot of fun. And it was just cool seeing someone like Kevin Hart in a really small venue like that. I actually saw Kevin Hart when I went to the VMAs years and years ago, like back in 2012, I think he was the host. Uh, But that was obviously a completely different, more produced atmosphere. So it was cool seeing him in this. And we had also been watching True Story on Netflix. And it was very jarring. Um, that's He plays a comedian in that. But it's definitely more of a drama. And it has a lot of twists and turns and murder. And it was just so funny going directly from watching that to seeing him live. Anyways, just had to share that with you guys because it was uh, quite quite a fun night. All right, let's get into our articles. We're going to start with something I'm sure you've heard about by now, but it is the Interview Magazine uh, story written by Julia Fox. It's called Date Night by Julia Fox, photographed by Kevin Leva. Julia Fox, um, she's an actress. The only thing I've seen her in is Uncut Gems, which was that movie with Adam Sandler that really had a lot of award season buzz, but then ultimately didn't even get up end up getting nominated for an Oscar, which I don't think Adam Sandler was like too pleased about. She was very good in that, but I I don't know. Since then, I've just kind of seen her in more like influencer type roles. Like she was at Art Basel. She was at that weird party where they were eating the cake off people's faces that I talked about, I think in my last episode. So this interview magazine interview article has been causing a lot of stir. So I'm going to, I'm just going to read it to you. All right. I met Ye in Miami on New Year's Eve, and it was an instant connection. His energy is so fun to be around. He had me and my friends laughing, dancing, and smiling all night. We decided to keep the energy going and fly back to New York City to see Slave play. Ye's flight landed at 6, and the play was at 7, and he was there on time. Mind you, that is in all caps, the on time. That timely must must be important to her. I was impressed. After the play, we chose to do dinner at Carbone, which is one of my favorite restaurants obviously. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I don't know. Maybe I'd love to say it, but this sounds like the writing style of my ninth grade live journal. Actually, arguably my ninth grade live journal was a little bit more advanced in its writing style. You know, I had some similes, some metaphors. I thought I was super deep. Like, what the hell is this? And 
As far as her Carbone order, I'm guessing she gets the spicy rigatoni. Like, no doubt. Everyone gets the spicy rigatoni. I'm, I'm sure that Julia Fox gets it as well. And I must also point out at this point in time that Julia and Kanye, when they were first spotted and paparazzied, they were spotted at the Carbone in Miami. And then they went to the New York City Carbone. And there is so much good Italian in New York City. Like, can we mix it up a little bit? And honestly, if you are in Miami, I know so many people are visiting Miami right now. Go to Machiavellina instead. I mean, I didn't even see a celebrity when I went to Carbone, Miami. The food is good. Like, I have no complaints with the food. It it is it tastes very good. It was insanely overpriced. We had ordered the calamari. Like they they kept being like, "Oh, your calamari is coming right out. It's coming right out." Then finally, they were like, "Actually, like we don't have the calamari." And they were really nice about it. Like they they gave us free dessert. Love that. The dessert's amazing. They also give you little rainbow cookies at the end. Rainbow cookies are such an underrated dessert. I love them. But Machiavellina is also expensive, but it just feels it's it's a local restaurant. Feels a little more homegrown. You know, you're not just eating the same spicy rigatoni that they have in Vegas and New York and at the Parm in New York. You know, you're getting something a little more original. So that's my little tip of the day. Um, so then it says, this is this is going back to Julia's voice. At the restaurant, Ye directed an entire photo shoot for me while people dined, exclamation mark. The whole restaurant loved it and cheered us on while it was happening. After dinner, Ye had a surprise for me. I mean, I'm still in shock. Ye had an entire hotel suite full of clothes. It was every girl's dream come true. It felt like a real Cinderella moment. I don't know how he did it or how he got all of it there in time, but I was so surprised. Like, who does things like this on a second date or any date? Exclamation mark. Everything with us has been so organic. I don't know where things are headed, but if this is any indication of the future, I'm loving the ride. Let's break this down a little bit. How is she so sure that everyone in Carbone loved this? I'm sure the majority did. If I was in Carbone and I saw Ye doing a photo shoot with Julia Fox, I would lose my damn mind. It would be probably the most memorable dining experience of my entire life. But I know there's a lot of curmudgeons out there, and I don't know if they'd be as similarly delighted as myself. Now let's get on to the next part, the suite of full of clothes. Okay, she's wondering how this happened. Girl, this is happening because Kanye got his little assistants and minions to pull clothes for him and put them in your room. Like, this is not groundbreaking. This is what people do, like, when they're going for their Oscar fittings and stuff. You know, like, I know you're aware of this world. I know that you know how this works. So this seems like a very odd take. Um, like, how did he get it there in time? Yeah, he got it there in time because he didn't do it. And then I love that she follows this up with how everything has been so organic. I am sorry. This sounds like the opposite of organic. Organic is like, you know, you go to a nice casual dinner and a movie afterwards and things just flow and the conversation flows. Organic is not going to two carbones two nights in a row and having a whole wardrobe set up in your hotel room. It, it's, it's just not. Um Oh, God. I've just never felt a more fake PR relationship in my entire life. Like, this tops Taylor and Tom Hiddleston for me. And I'd also like to note that Kanye giving me an entire neutral wardrobe is just not the Cinderella moment I'm looking for. I'm assuming it was an entire neutral wardrobe. It probably had a lot of Yeezy pieces in it. Like, I love a good neutral, but 
I, and again, this is just me guessing. I don't know exactly what he gave, but I just, I'm, I'm just doubting it'd be really what I'm going for. But again, this is more PR than Pete Davidson and Kimmy K, which I def also think is part of the reason why Kanye is doing this relationship. Like, I think we know what Julia Fox is getting out of this, right? Julia is getting so much press. People who had no idea who she was up until this point now know who she is. But I think in all these sort of relationships, there's always two sides to the coin, right? Both parties are getting something out of it. And I think for Kanye, I think his is less about fame because he's peak famous, right? I really think this is personal. I think this is 100% a jab at Kim to make her feel jealous while she's in the Bahamas with Pete. Like put a little wrench in their little beach vacation. I also have to note that those two paragraphs that I just read you, that's the whole article. That's everything Julia Fox wrote. It never gets better. It never progresses from ninth grade live journal. It's just, it's just bad. I guarantee she wrote it on her notes app on her phone. Like if she didn't, like does she word process it? I... <laughs> oh God. Okay. So clearly I was so happy when the cut got an interview with Miss um, Fox herself. I think she, I, I think most of this is her, the author talking about Julia, but I think that some of these quotes they got for the cut. I could be wrong, but bear with me. So Thank God for Julia Fox by Brock Collier. Now you've heard of Brock before because Brock usually does the column where he goes out with a sort of pseudo celeb for a night on the town and then he writes about it. We've covered, I think we covered his one with Leah from Real Housewives of New York. So he kind of explains what's going on, the fact that Julia Fox and Kanye were spotted together, that she wrote this article for Interview Mag, and then he explains a little bit about her, and he says, raised on the Upper East Side, the 31-year-old, also an artist and former dominatrix, it should be noted, has long been a friend of the tabloids, niche famous, especially compared to Ye's worldwide celebrity. People had a Publix of Fox FAQ to catch the messes up masses up this is exactly what i was just talking about like this is making it so the people who would normally have no idea who she is are being introduced to her but i'm sure what also caught your attention as it caught mine is the fact that she used to be a dominatrix apparently she worked as a dominatrix in high school so i had to look that up and honestly guys there's not a lot of information about this and i couldn't exactly figure out like through what venue she was was a dominatrix. Like, was it a cam girl? Was she working for a company? It's very unclear to me, but I found this interview with The Hollywood Reporter, and they say, what was your first job? She says, I worked at a shoe store on 86th Street called Orva in the hosiery department because nobody went there. That's where they put me because I was too incapable of doing anything. Then I worked at an ice cream shop and a pastry shop. Then I got into the sex industry doing S&M and stuff. I mean... Okay, we're scooping at the cold stone and then we're like wearing bondage. It's very um, cat from Euphoria. And then the interviewer says, how does one do that in high school? And she says, I heard about another girl who was doing it and there was no sex or nudity. It was role playing. And this damn reporter didn't ask a follow up to that. And you guys know that I don't hate on sex work. And I get that you can be 18, 19 and be in high school. But if not... Underage sex work is definitely a big fat no for me, even if it's just role playing, because I'm assuming she was wearing kind of skimpy stuff and playing this dominatrix role. But again, it's so unclear because I just can't I can't get a good grasp on what was actually going on. 
if anyone knows, please, please tell me. Okay, so going back to Brock, he alerted me to the following. He wrote, Fox's very good month began a few days before the holidays when she took to Instagram stories to trash Peter Artemiv, her ex-husband and the father of her son, Valentino, by posting a rather unflattering photograph of him with the caption, Have you seen this deadbeat dad? He can be found at most strip clubs, Lucien, Paul's BBG, Casablanca, the streets, etc. Those are places in New York. The couple dozen stories long rant included a video of Artemiv appearing to yell at Fox, claims that he isn't paying the bills, never mind helping out with their baby and the dog, and finally a call to arms. Take care of your kids, men, and other men hold deadbeat dads accountable. Again, she wrote this all caps. That seems to be, a, you know, a, a stylistic choice of hers. And I mean, preach, fuck deadbeat dads, fuck that shit. But again, Fox's marketing team and PR team is working overtime. And I don't mean in cleaning up her Instagram stories. I mean the fact that they were okay with her posting this. Because I think this was 100% a lead-in to the Kanye event. <laughs> in one of the posts on her Instagram, she claimed that Artemiv had been fucking his aunt, encouraging online snickers about incest. Though according to sources, he obviously wasn't sleeping with his biological aunt, which... Okay, so he was sleeping with his aunt, just his aunt through marriage is what I get from, from that. But then Artemy told Page Six, I was saddened to learn of the utterly false statements made on social media by Julia Fox, my co-parent who is clearly struggling. Out of respect for her privacy and to protect our child, I will not comment further. Now, this is a quote that I think came from Julia to the cut. It says, I really just want to clear the air because I obviously was not expecting all the publicity to come after I had come from my son's father online. Really, girl? You you weren't? That was just a full-on surprise for you, honey buns? I'm not buying it. My son's father and I had our issues. Oh, yes, and it says this this was told to Brock. My son's father and I had our issues, issues and I wanted to scare him into being a better dad, but I went about it the wrong way. My son's dad loves his son more than anything in the world. He just had some issues that I shouldn't have made public. Again, this is such calculated PR moves and no one can tell me otherwise. I think even her writing style being so juvenile and odd was another thing to get the people talking. It worked. Like, I'm enraged by it. <laughs> so Brock also got a comment from Kat Marnell. And Kat Marnell is kind of like, what I would describe as a train wreck socialite, she's friends with Caroline Calloway, if that gives you any sort of glimpse into how she is. Actually, friends is probably the wrong word. They're acquaintances. Uh, Caroline Calloway really looks up to her. Kat Marnell also had an Adderall addiction. So apparently Kat has been friends with Fox since she was a teenager. I think they're both like born and bred New Yorkers. Obviously Fox is, but I think Kat is as well. And this is what Kat had to say. Julia Fox is doper than Pete Davidson, Kim Kardashian, and Kanye West combined. She's a legitimate sorceress. She's the Michael Jordan of vixens. She's devastating, like a hurricane. If she became a legit minivan majority known household name, what? I don't even know what that means. As is happening right now, it'll be the greatest thing to ever happen in my lifetime. I fucking love that bad bitch. Julia Fox is a Camille Paglia wet dream. Am I saying that so wrong? And then... Fox texted Brock and said, the overall message is that if you're in a, you're, you are in a toxic relationship, get out of it because you never know who or what could be waiting on the other side. And then the little like heart symbol, cuz is spelled C-U-Z and then U is just a U. 
I mean, what a ride, guys. <laughs> oh, what a ride. Um, last thing I'll say about this is that, wait, wait, before we get into this, I will say shout out to Kat Marnell because I would hope my friends would hype me up like that. I mean, these descriptions, the Michael Jordan of Vixens devastating like a hurricane. Girls, my hype girls out there, just just keep those quotes in mind if you ever need to hype me up. So now, really, the last thing I'll say on this is that GQ was obsessing over Julia's beach fit when she was in Miami, and she was wearing this little bodysuit swimsuit, and it was very cute. It had, like, sleeves. It was black. It said Miami on it and small writing and white on the top. That was cute. But then she topped it with leather pants. Homegirl wore leather pants to the beach, and it's just wildly impractical. I get that it's a fashion moment, but again, this is her so clearly wanting to be papped and talked about in the press. Miami is still hot as balls. Do you know how uncomfortable it would be to be wet and sandy and haul leather pants up over your thighs? I mean, maybe that's just a me problem, but the chafing, the stickiness, the hotness, it, it is like I can't think of something that would be more uncomfortable. It's making me cringe inside just thinking about it. All right. So considering my previous rant and investment in Julia Fox and Yay and Julia Fox's um PR uh, plan, I find the next article quite fitting. Celebrity obsession linked to lower intelligence, nerds say by Mia Mercado. She writes that a recent study from a group of Hungarian academics claims that people who are more obsessed with celebrities tend to score lower on cognitive tests. And she writes, in other words, a recent study is calling me stupid, question mark. So this study was published in November of last year, but it's been resurfaced because the New York Post talked about it. And I mean, this test seems kind of limited to me because it was only given to 1,763 Hungarian adults. They were given a cognitive test. It included um, vocabulary words. And then they were asked to complete a celebrity attitude scale when they were asked to answer questions like, my friends and I like to discuss what my favorite celebrity has done. I have frequent thoughts about my celebrity even when I don't want to. If I were lucky enough to meet my favorite celebrity and he slash she asked me to do something illegal as a favor, I would probably do it. So they would like rank these on a scale. And the study suggests that there's a direct association between celebrity worship and poor performance on the cognitive test, even when other factors are accounted for. All right. So what I have to say about this is clearly this study is talking about like celebrity obsession in my mind. These are the people who would maybe be stalking their favorite celebrities, the ones who have like a binder of everything the celebrity has done. Now, as much as I love a good celebrity gossip, I don't view them as gods. I view them as normal people. And I would think that most people who listen to this podcast feel the same. And I stand by that my celebrity fascination comes from, it's like an anthropological and sociological study that I can discuss with you guys. And it's a common ground. If I'm talking about Joe Blow down the street and what he's doing, you don't care because you don't know who he is. But if I talk about Kanye and his dating life, you have a point of reference because you know who he is. Right? Like, it makes perfect sense to me. So I'm going to put us on a little pedestal and say we're not like those people um, and that we are gorgeous, gorgeous, intelligent, amazing, incredible, high IQ, stunning, all of the good. We're, We're devastating hurricanes, if you will. And this just doesn't apply to us. (laughs) But I also loved how Mia, (laughs) you know, the one question it asked if you would do something illegal if your favorite celebrity asked you to. 
And Mia says, how legal is this favor? Will the celebrity pay for my legal team if need be? Also, what is the context in which they're asking for a favor? If Sandra O DMing me out of the blue to see if I have any connections in black market organ harvesting, she says, I don't, Sandra. I'm sorry. And this actually did get me thinking, guys. Like, if Harry Styles reached out to me and said that he needed me to... Like, what is something I would potentially do that's illegal? Like, there's such a range, you know? There's so many little things that are illegal that just, like, don't really matter. Like, if Harry Styles asked me to speed down the street, would I do it? 100%. If Harry Styles asked me to get him some meth, would I do it? If he asked me to murder someone for him, would I do it? Like, absolutely not. So, you know, it's a range. It's it's a range. (laughs) Which prompts the question, like, that I want you to think about. And please DM me if you have a thought, like, how far would you go for your favorite celebrity? I would also need an explanation. Like, I would need the why of it. Like, why, Harry, do you need me to do this? Like, why are you reaching out of me? Why did you pick me out of oblivion? And that being said, I feel like if there's any celebrity that I feel this way about on any level, it's just Harry Styles. Um, And not even... I'm feeling pretty good about it because I'm just like, I just don't think I'm on this level yet. And... I think I'm like, again, I think I'm pretty smart and I think we all are. So I think we're good. So just again, to remind you, never feel bad about being into pop culture. Don't let articles like this get you down. All right. Our last article of the day. All the best moments from the Harry Potter reunion by Olivia Truffaut Wong. Now, obviously, we watched this right away. Kenzie and me. I enjoyed it. It made me so sentimental. I teared up multiple times. I am a true Harry Potter stan. I don't know if this is actually something I've ever spoken about on here, but I started reading Harry Potter, I think when I was like 11 or 12, um, I read the first book and bless my grandma because my grandma is like so on top of the trends. And she was like, I saw that this book is like very popular and in right now. And I think you might like it. And she got me the first one, um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I just like devoured it. I loved it so much. And I think at that point, maybe the second book was already out. And it just became such a thing that I looked forward to. I know so many of you who listen or listening to this probably felt the same way. Like I would go to every midnight Barnes and Noble book event. I would go to the midnight showings of the movies. One time in college, it came out, Elena and Matt and I, we dressed up. I was the Whomping Willow. She was a Slytherin. He was a Dementor. Like, just so much fun. I have so much, so many good memories. I went to the opening day of Harry Potter World and Universal Studios. It was one of the craziest days of my life. It was so crowded. Like, I do not recommend doing something like that. But I went with my sister. And again, it's just like, it's such a good memory. She went another time when the cast was there and she met um, the man who plays uh, Mr. Weasley. I just, I don't know. It just really, nothing has made me feel so magic inside than the Harry Potter books did. And I would definitely say I'm more of like a book fan. I love the first two movies. Chris Columbus can do no wrong in my book. I think his movies are perfection and I wish he had directed all of the movies. When it started to get really dark, I mm, like, no. So I love the books, but same with the books. I'd say after the fourth book, I didn't like how dark it got. But any, regardless, it really was such a touchstone moment for me. And it's shocking that I really, I really don't think I've ever talked about on here, like how much I love those books. So obviously, like, again, I had to watch this 20 year reunion. I also like loved Rupert Grant. Like he was definitely my favorite. I definitely had a crush on him. Like when I, when the first movie came out, I thought he was so adorable. 
and seeing them all together like it's so well done if you haven't watched it yet please watch it and if you don't want spoilers from it like i'd say these are kind of mild spoilers then maybe just skip skip a few minutes um but this article just discusses the best moments and i think i i agree with a lot of these so Emma Watson admitted she had a crush on Tom Felton. I think this was so obviously known. There's been so many rumors that the two have dated as adults. There's always been things that have said that she had a huge crush on him. So I didn't think this was groundbreaking, but it was cute to see her admit it. And Felton said they always had a special relationship. I've always had a soft spot for her, and that continues to this day. There's always been something that's like, I don't know, a kinship. And uh, Emma Watson denied that they ever dated. Like, she straight up was like, no. One of my favorite parts was that Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Harry Potter, obviously, he wrote Helena Bonham Carter, A Love Letter, and she plays Bellatrix Lestrange. And he said, I do love you, and I wish I'd been born just 10 years earlier, so I might have been in with a chance. And he was only about 15 when he started working with Helena, and he waited till after they weren't working anymore to write this letter to her. But I'm like, damn, honey, shoot your shot. She's married to Tim Burton, um, has been forever. They would help each other text their crushes like um, Emma and Radcliffe would. It was really sad at one point because Emma talked about how she really thought about quitting the series. And I was like, wow, can you imagine? Like, I've never been one to think Emma Watson is like the best actress, but I really do think she came to embody Hermione. And the idea of like Hermione switching at Order of the Phoenix is so wild to me. Like it it would have been devastating they talk a lot about how awkward it was when Hermione and Ron had to have a kissing scene and how they were so awked out by it. And it shows this scene where the director is uh, David Yates. He's telling them that they were going to be filming the kiss that week and they are both so mortified. You can tell they just like don't want to do it and how Dan like would come on set and heckle them. Another favorite part of my, again, I think this article just like really, really summed it up for me. There was an onset hamster funeral and Emma had a little hamster called Millie and it died on set and she was so sad and I totally relate to this because I had so many hamsters growing up and they only live about two years and it is so sad when they die. Like I don't know why I kept emotionally doing that to myself but this the set workers, they made her a custom made wooden coffin with velvet on the inside of it and they engraved Millie's name on it. Oh! And then um, I don't know, there was just so many like sentimental parts of it it's also a little odd because obviously there's been a lot of drama over comments that jk rowling has made about the transgender community um you know it's they're not good and so in the special when there are clips of jk rowling they make it very clear that those parts of the interview were filmed in 2019 and that was before she had a lot of her controversial tweets come out that put her at odds with the lgbtq community so i thought it was interesting that they included her but kind of made that delineation now one of the funniest thing that's come out in the news that wasn't addressed in this article is there's this one part in it and we luckily saw the unedited version before they fixed this mistake where there's a picture of a young emma watson and she's wearing little mickey mouse ears they showed a lot of like flashbacks of them as kids and Come to find out, that was actually a picture of Emma Roberts. And we know this was Emma Roberts because Emma Roberts posted that photo on her Instagram account. And so I'm like, oh my God, like who did that? Like someone just Googled and was like, oops. 
but they fixed it and so now if you watch it you won't see that anymore but we definitely saw it with the emma roberts version because i remember seeing the picture and i was like oh that's like a really cute kid but like i feel like that doesn't really look like how emma watson looked as a kid i mean like i'm a big fan guys you know i've seen a lot of these like flashback photos um so yeah and then the other thing that i saw is that e posted this article they have this segment where they it's called down in the dms and celebrities share like dms they've been sent and i was really vibing with tom felton in this interview he was so tender so sweet i just thought he came across as so genuine and until i read this article and i was like oh tommy oh 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 so this is Olivia Jade. Now we've talked about Olivia Jade on here. She is a influencer. She was big on YouTube, but really came to fame when famously her parents, Lori Laughlin, who was on Full House and Massimo, uh, were convicted on the Varsity Blues scandal where they had basically conned and bribed their way into getting their kids into USC. They both served jail time for that. And Olivia Jade, the daughter um, you know, it wasn't a good reflection on her because she had willingly posed for pictures of her rowing because that was like how they got her in. They said she was a rower. They were obviously fake. She knew she was posing for these. I really don't let, let Olivia Jade off on these because I think she totally knew what was going down. But, you know, I guess she was young. We'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But she said this to E. I'm really sorry. I'm going to expose you, but I think you're probably a really nice person. So apparently Tom Felton, who plays Draco Malfoy, texted her or DM'd her and said, hello, mate, dig your work, followed by a snake emoji, which is clearly a slide in and clearly him using his Harry Potter fame to like get an in with her. And she said, I haven't seen the Harry Potter movie, so I didn't get the joke. I didn't respond. And now I just exposed that I've seen it and I didn't respond. So that's also rude of me. I think most people would probably understand and be excited by it. I just need to watch more movies. <laughs> oh, it's so cringe. And like, Tommy, you can do better. Oh, come on, dude. Slide into my DMs. <laughs> All right. So we've made it to our I think about this a lot segment. Now, this is something that literally is just a thought I've had, and I wanted to find some articles to back it up. Someone else who's had the same thought, I couldn't really find anything on my quick perusal. This is the thought. I realized it struck me all of a sudden because I was thinking about, you know, filming YouTube videos. And when you film YouTube videos, you can't have music on in the background because you'll get copyrighted. So I realized when reality stars like Vanderpump Rules, The Real Housewives, when they're filming a party scene, they can't have music on. So just think for a second how freaking weird that would be. Like, to me, music is such a vibe at a party. It sets the mood. It's so essential. And to not have that is creepy. Like, maybe that's why they're fighting and getting into drama because they're just like, this party is so boring and weird and there's no music, so we got to spice things up a little bit. I don't know. It's just a thought I had. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. But I'm just like, how would you film? Like, it would screw up the audio, A. And for copyright purposes, you wouldn't be able to do it. So, you're no, like, again, no wonder they're taking so many shots. All right. Now for our legit shit of the week. 
my sister Kinsey, she got me the cutest gifts for my birthday and Christmas. And one of them was a sculpt pottery kit because I love pottery. I really wanted to get my own pottery wheel. But before I got into that, she was like, maybe you should learn how to hand form some things. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I did take ceramics in high school. So like maybe I still have some memories of how to do that. So she got me this little sculpt pottery kit. And it's so cool because it comes with air drying uh, clay. So you don't have to fire it. It's really good quality. It feels really nice to to work with. I made myself a little janky ugly pot. I haven't painted it yet, but she also bought me the pastel paints to go with it. It comes with a white paint and a little like varnish seal. And I just think it's so cute and it's such a good gift because it comes with all the tools you need. Um two bags of clay. It's just so practical and nice. And if someone's like really wanting to explore a hobby in the new year, I really don't believe in resolutions, but I always believe in goal setting and manifesting. I definitely made my vision board. And I believe in like just having new fun hobbies to do and like ways to kind of enjoy your downtime. And I just think this is like a really great way to do that. So if you're looking for a cute little gift for someone or just for yourself, like I think this is the perfect gift to give to yourself just to have like a little moment of quiet and joy. I made my pot while I was watching Emily in Paris and it was just so nice. Like I would like a little glass of wine too, but the problem is your hands are so dirty that I would need to put it in like a really like gross plastic cup because you, it clay gets over everything. Um, That's the other thing. You might want like a nice like, cutting board that you just use for clay because again it gets over everything and it's quite messy but that's part of the fun anyways sorry guys if this was a little shaky I feel like my voice is like you know it wasn't used to podcasting this week but thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you next week bye